Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Mr. Brian. How you doing, brother? Doing well, yourself? Dude, I am so pumped. I've been waiting to get you on this podcast for such a long time now. And something that really stands out to me about you is in such a short period of time, how much you've built within your own business of real estate investing and how you're just such a, it's such a like typical entrepreneur when it comes down to any problems that you ever come into, you just adjust and you start coming up with a solution for it, which has obviously been uh, very healthy in the business, just making it a all in one, one-stop shop for real estate. So for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where you're from and what kind of strategies you've implemented within your businesses? Sure. Uh, I'll keep it basic for now, but yeah. uh, essentially <laughs> been in the Boston market uh, currently. So investing uh, north of Boston where I live, uh, also have an office in central Massachusetts where we buy, buy and holds. So two separate markets, but in Massachusetts. So been uh, going since 2013. So started off as an agent uh, and just morphed from there. So got bored. So decided to, uh, as I worked with investors, they were buying rental property. So why not start a property management business? And I love then, it. They needed turnovers. Why not start a, a maintenance division, which morphed into a construction company to assist with the flips that we were doing. Uh, and that's a whole nother story with subcontractors and contractors that were not doing what they're supposed to. So we just created our own uh, construction company to take care of that problem. So we can get into that, but there's everything just kind of morphed from a problem. And, uh, because I have nothing else to do, I just start a new company. <laughs> you have nothing else to do. I love it. So, <laughs> so you're a family man. You have, you yes. just had your third, third baby, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of a gap. So two girls, uh, 11 and eight and now a newborn. So a month old. Okay. So, yeah. and you still so have, you, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you still have all this time to be able to, you know, be able to do so many things in real estate and the family life? Like, how do you do it? Yeah, I have to be honest. It's really building a team, which it wasn't easy in the beginning. I was the, the one man show and things were, were falling through the cracks and, and I wasn't able to scale. So uh, I learned early on through uh, bigger pockets and other investors that systems and, and teams are everything. And, and I'm like everyone else. I didn't want to spend the money in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I was a Superman. I could do everything myself. And and quickly learn that I could do nothing. So right now I'm just the ideas guy. I, I, I get things in motion and I hand it off and, and my team helps me with it. Okay. So systems, obviously that's like the taboo out there of, <laughs> you know, what needs to be done. I, I'm definitely that, that typical guy that, you know, didn't want to spend the money in the beginning and, and trying to figure out how do I scale this on my own. But realistically, you need to spend the money. You need to get the employees to really be able to leverage off some of this stuff, buy back your time so you can get to that next level. So it's scary. Even today, uh, when something comes up, you still question, is it worth taking someone else on, taking on their salary, taking on 
payroll expenses and and benefits and so it, it it's a, it's a costly uh, gamble but i just found that with the right person they'll pay for themselves but if it's uh, there's a cost to testing out to see if it's the right employee as well so but you, you have to take a risk. Okay, let's try to simplify this and, and break it down because I'm really, you know, a lot of people might be, you know, find themselves in that same situation of, you know, they're doing well in, in their business, kind of like myself. All right, let, let's, okay. just, let's just take it right here. You and me, baby. <laughs> so I'm doing swell within my business, but okay. I, I am looking to get to that next level. So how should I or somebody that's like me, you know, really build these systems out to be able to get to that next level like you have in the past. I mean, just since 2013, yes. this, is, this is outrageous how much you've scaled your business, starting from nothing to where you're at today and constantly having all of these, you just mentioned off a couple, but I know the list goes on and on with all the different, <laughs> different businesses you own. Yeah, and most, most of the scaling happened within, within less than the last three years. So okay. really it started with the team. So to answer your question, it, what I've done is I've leveraged my team to handle multiple entities. So okay. when I hire an office manager, she's not on the payroll for one entity. It's split between four or more entities. So if, she, if the bookkeeper is doing the books, well, it's eight companies that are paying her. So I can split that a lot easier. So I guess it really comes down to what does the entrepreneur have in terms of businesses? So do they have enough business to do that? If you're going to hire one person, um, then it's going to be a lot more difficult. So for me, I was fortunate enough where I already had a couple businesses. So I had property management. I had construction. I was able to split up their time, 20 hours a piece. Uh, and then property management, I hired a full-time property manager uh, at a loss in the beginning. So I was eating the, the, the gap, but I knew that I wanted to scale that business. So I was taking from my uh, real estate agent commissions and, and funding the uh, the first few employees until I made it. So there is there is a sacrifice there up front that some people aren't willing to take, but I've, I'm well-versed in sacrifice and working yeah. long hours. And I just looked at the, the opposite where if I paid someone else, then I'd have a better lifestyle and I could focus on growing more businesses and it, and it panned out. Yeah. Now, was there a certain time that you knew like, hey, I need to hire somebody on to be able to get to that next level? Or uh, like, what was the breaking point, I guess? Yeah, so it's an ongoing thing. So it's, it's when I start to see maybe transactions, uh, the details fall through the cracks. So it's mm. maybe I missed a detail or maybe I missed an opportunity to buy a, a, a real estate deal because I was so entrenched in the day to day. Yeah. So then I said to myself, well, the opportunity cost of losing this $100,000 deal to pay someone um, whatever a year, they're gonna, their pay is going to be less than this one transaction. And yeah. if I can do four of those a year, I'm just going to keep scaling because I have that much more time to focus on that. Okay. I love that. That makes sense. Now, when you're hiring on these team members, I, I guess like what kind of role are, you know, are they doing a lot of different things or at least in the beginning, or did you have like a exact role for each one? And how no, did you, how did you pick that? Yeah. You'll notice a theme with me. I'm very bad with focus. So to me, it's <laughs> someone has to be multifaceted. They can do multiple things and they have to learn my chaos early on. So yeah. I'm trying to get better about job descriptions and, and, a, and a primary focus, but uh, I've always operated doing multiple things at once and whether that's the best or not, that's just what it is. Yeah. And the people that, that survive working with me are the ones that can 
can adapt and, and just they see that I'm struggling with something, they just take the reins, jump in and say, hey, Brian, I've got this, move on to the next thing. So okay. I, I, I'm making it sound easier than it is. I mean, I'm probably on, I don't know, employee number over 20 at this point in the real estate business. And I only, and, uh, and when I say 20, I mean uh, 20 that have failed to the team that I have now. Now we employ just under 20 people. So we're at about 19 employees amongst the companies. Okay. And then, so you have about 19, 20 people that are working for you currently within the companies. And yep. you've gone through uh, another 20 or so that didn't work out? Correct. To get okay. to this point. Now, what does your hiring process look like? I'm looking for a job. <laughs> uh, so uh, actually, yeah. So in, in the beginning, it was just more character because I, I always feel that I can, I can train what I need them to do, but I can't yeah. train their personality or their attitude. So if they're willing to come in and work and, and, and grind it out, yeah. then I can teach them anything. So that's really the, the process. It's a lot of people that I've hired uh, have no real estate experience or not even close to any entrepreneurial experience or business experience, but they come in, they want to learn. And then they're the ones that are going home at night and, and doing their own research. They're actually, it's, it's funny you say that because they're the ones that come to me and say, Brian, send me some podcast links or some educational so I can watch it at home when I'm making dinner or so they're asking me for content. So okay. it's, it's great. Yeah. Yes. But you have to get them passionate about what they're doing. So I want them to, to enjoy what they're doing. And, and my team today understands the scaling side of it. So they want to grow because they, they're seeing that I'm compensating them according to how we're doing. So if we're growing, they're getting raises and they're getting compensated. Uh, if we're not growing, then, then I'm looking to downsize. It's a very clear that we grow together. Yeah, obviously you really established that, that leadership skill within your businesses. I love just saying businesses because you got so yeah. many. <laughs> lose track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you lose track, right? So what does your hiring process look like? You know, is it just a, they fill out an application and sit down with you personally one-on-one or do you have, was it like your wife helping out in the beginning or what? No, so it was always me in the beginning. So okay. I did all the initial interviews. Actually, to be honest with you, when you hire a good team, the team now brings me my, my need. So for example, if I tell my office manager, Hey, I need an assistant property manager. When we hit the next 50 units, she already has someone lined up for me that oh. will come in part-time, see if it's a fit and then we'll come on as a full-time role. So they're actually doing the hiring for me. And, and it's, it's funny cause my office manager, uh, she brings a lot of uh, friends and family in and you would think that uh, she's going to be lenient on them. She's actually harder on them than she would be on someone else. So it's, it works out well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your deals for a second, just so people can get like a perspective of, you know, what you've done so far and who they're listening to. Sure. Do you mind just diving into some of your deals and how many transactions or? Yeah, I try to get a, a grasp. So yeah, it all started with real estate agency. So we do uh, roughly uh, somewhere between 20 to 30 transactions a year. Um, so that's myself and, and uh, one other agent. So we've, some of that is off market, some of that is on MLS. So we're investor focused. So we're really targeting multifamily properties. Yeah. Uh, and as I say that, that number is probably a little bit higher because we're not tracking it on the MLS. But um, so it, it's a safe estimate that we're doing 30 transactions a year. What we do is I like to say that I, I get a piece out of a lot of pies. So my construction company partners up on the rehabs. So let's say a client wants to complete a condo conversion. 
So they come to us with a deal or we bring them the deal. And then our construction company completes the, the and I'm going to keep this very short because it gets into more detail, but essentially the, we split the net profit on the back end 50-50. So we take the day-to-day management away from them. So we okay. come up with a plan up front. We execute the plan. What I always tell my clients is your job is to focus on acquisitions hmm. and, and we'll deal with the day-to-day. So that's how we scaled was really just focusing on acquisitions. We built a system with construction to manage multiple projects at once and we win when the client wins. So we could just put a, a general markup on our work. We just perform the work at essentially cost and then split the profit on the back end. So we win or lose with the investor. So okay. they like that we have our stakes are high because if we're not performing profitable um, ventures, we're, we're going to lose out on our company as well. So just to break that down and make sure that I'm on the same page with you here. So basically either like a homeowner or an investor with their property brings it to you guys that need some work. Your yes. contracting team does all the, the remodel. Correct. And then you guys split the profits 50-50 on the back end, but you're essentially selling it on your, your agent side, correct? Yeah, and that's a separate fee. So that does not come into play. So every okay. company has to perform on its own. So on the prop, not, to, not to get off topic, but the property management side, same idea. What I will pay for a management fee is what my investors will pay. So okay. I, I firmly believe in every company has to, has to operate on its own. We can't subsidize with other entities. I love that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, it's a, it's a one-stop shop all in house. That, that's the major. goal. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So where do you see yourself in the future? I, I normally ask this at the end, but I'm very curious. Like, <laughs> you know, you already have damn near the whole circle. So what is, yeah, what is close. the next? So, so uh, to kind of keep going with that. So, uh, a lot of what I do is just, we, like you said, we, we see a problem and we come up with a solution. So one of my subcontractors was a relative who owned an HVAC company yep. and we were talking and he was uh, informing me that uh, he really wanted to grow the company and focus on being in the field versus going into the office. And, and that was actually taking me away from, from growing the business. Bro. So what I did was I provided a back office solution. So uh, my existing office just basically took on another company. I invested and became a partner. And now we scaled the HVAC company while acquiring another HVAC company. So we've, we've gone from two employees to eight. And um, so that's been, that's been growing exponentially. I love it. So in the future, you're looking to just scale your businesses and get them you know, bigger and bigger? Yeah. So, so the important factor is while I'm acquiring or starting new businesses is we can't lose focus on the goals. So each company has sales goals that need, that it needs to meet. Okay. And, and if I'm not meeting those goals, then I have to take a step back and say, well, I can't keep going in a different direction if, and, and lose sight of what got me here. So it's important to, to kind of look at uh, manage what we already have while uh, starting other businesses. But for me, it's, it's a combination of wanting to scale and just, kind of the excitement of, of something new as well. So yeah, uh, to me, uh, as you can tell, I, I can't sit still when it comes to just one thing. It's, it's multiple things and it excites me. I mean, the research phase, the, the starting of a business is, is just the, the most exciting part for me. So, I mean, if I did that every month, I'd be happy. It just, but again, it's, there's a lot to, to manage there. So it's, it's more like one business a year, maybe two at the most, but I, I do want to continue trying different things. So, and again, it may look like we have no focus, but again, it's setting up the systems in the existing businesses so that we can go 
take a shot at something else. So yes. like right now we're, we're going to do a lake house for a vacation rental. So that's going to be something new for us. We've never done vacation rentals, uh, trying to find other service businesses that need a back office solution, similar to what I did and just trying to, to get an equity stake while, um, partaking uh, it's more of a consulting slash partnership role where we benefit from the growth of that business so um, whatever they do above and beyond what they were doing before we came in that's what we're looking for so that's another something we're trying to do potential mixed-use land deal where that's kind of a legacy property I'd say we're mostly rehabbers north of Boston this would actually be a long-term hold so it'd be somewhere between a four or five story building with uh, commercial office space and residential. So that's, we can't really talk much about it now. We're still trying to go through the process of, of acquiring and, and zoning, but we're, we're pretty far along in that process as well. So we'll see how that turns out, but just opportunities. So when something comes across my desk, I just figure out, is there a way to monetize this or do I have to move on to something else? Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, you have a big list. You're, you're doing the agent side, property management, HVAC, construction, land, storage, mobile home park, sober living, uh, service for you business, you know, Airbnb, lake house. Yeah, I mean, some of those are things we're, we're in the process of. We haven't okay. closed on them, but, but they are all in the works at this time. So, okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, how do you come up with, I guess, the, the threshold of what you need to, to hit to make sure everything's still going forward? Just to look at the expenses every, every single month that you have? That's part of it, but it's more, I think, more in growth than I do expenses. So, a lot Good. of companies will just focus on cutting expenses and minimizing. Yeah. Uh, to me, I've always subscribed to the sales solve everything. So if I can keep growing the sales, then I can figure out and manage the expenses versus just focusing on, on the expenses. So there's no real metric that I use except for I try to use something realistic. So if I want to grow an additional 100 units under management for property management, well, then I'll say to myself, I'll have to come up with some metrics like I need 10 investors that already have 10 units under, under management. Maybe yeah. they're self-managing and they need someone to take that off their hands. So that's who I'm networking with. So the other key to this whole piece is networking. So I attend at least a couple events a week and that's how we met was at an, at an event yeah. as well. And uh, so that's important for me. Networking is really just, again, it's speaking to someone, what are their problems and can I create a solution for their problem? And if I can solve their problem, then, then it becomes either a business or it's added to one of my businesses. Yeah. I do want to talk about networking in, in just a few because I feel like you came off extremely humble and just like very just personal guy that anybody wants to connect with. And obviously just, you got something about you that people just naturally are gravitated towards, which is, which is awesome. Um, so I'm sure that helps out when it comes down to networking. Yeah. And, and I'm, yeah. And at this point now I'm usually more of a straight shooter. It's um, I, I want to get to the point if it's a fit or not, I, I don't want to oversell or overpromise. It's, this is what I do. Yep. If this is a fit for you, let's try doing something together. And we, usually I'll offer up some service for free or I'll offer, try to offer some value before they work with me if it works out that way. Uh, but just generally I'm meeting at least 10 people a week in my offices, just someone new. And just uh, sometimes they already have property management. They already have an agent. They already have everything they need. But maybe down the line what happens is I'll pass on a deal and send it over to them and they'll do the same for me. So you can always work with someone in some capacity. So you don't want to burn any bridges in this business. 
Yeah, no, it's so true. I feel like, I mean, there's so much power to, to networking. But before we dive deeper into that, just a moment ago, we were talking about you have that mindset to really think more on the growth side instead, yes. of, instead of cutting costs. And it, it drives me crazy all the time when I see <laughs> other businesses when they're really just focused. Like so many people actually go to school to, to figure where they can cut all the costs instead yes. of thinking about growth. And it, it drives me crazy because like, I'm just so thankful that you do have the correct mindset and like, you know, we don't need to cut corners or, or see who we can like shave off here, but instead, mm -hmm. you know, let's add to the team, but just let's get these sales up. Yeah. I feel like it creates a negative environment in the office as well. If I'm just coming in and, and trying to uh, micromanage or yeah. uh, if they're coming in afraid of their job every day, they're going to make mistakes just by default because they're, they're terrified to make a mistake. So uh, I give them a lot of leeway to take chances and, and try things. I mean, I always figure if, if they mess something up, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll yeah. fix it somehow. And if that costs me some money, well, they're going to get a lesson. And if I have them for a long period of time, that money over, I don't know, 10 or plus years, is not a lot of money. But if I'm constantly having turnover, I think it's counterproductive. Cutting the expenses is actually going to turn into more expenses. So, it's so true. Yeah. So I always subscribe to sales solves all problems. So do you have a lot of turnover? I know you mentioned, you know, you've been through 20 people, you have about 20 people right now. Have any of these 20 people actually been with you since like day one? They have not, but I have not had turnover probably or minimal turnover over the last three years. And okay. the only turnover wasn't really, um, probably I'd say over two years, I should say. Okay. And it, it just, the, the one people that I have, they want to stay and, and they're here for the long term. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that are not here for the long term, they either go off on their own or they're let go. But I, I, I try to let them kind of play it out unless it's something really severe. It's very rare that we let someone go. Okay. Have you ever ran into any issues with managing, you know, some of your team? Yeah. I mean, there's always issues. As, yeah, yeah. As far as like, like morally wrong or, you know, like lying or stealing or, you know, other chaos. Yeah, we, we've had that in the past and, and yeah. Again, it goes back to we, we just move on. So if we dwell on that, then we're, we're losing sight of something else. So we remove the problem, I guess, is the, the nicest way of saying it. We just move on to the positive. So uh, and we're always trying to constantly recruit great help. So I find a lot of times just by default, someone will, will see that there are other people coming on and performing better and they'll just move on to something else because they see that the, the, the culture and the path that we're taking is a different direction. Yep. than what they were expecting. So okay. I, I feel like the team kind of builds that culture. And without me having to micromanage, people just know if they're a fit or not. Uh, because I feel like everyone subscribes to the same philosophy. That's so true. I love that. That makes sense. You know, yeah. I've always been the type of person that really believes in, you know, painting the vision into people as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of just gives them a, a path that they want to jump on and, and be a part of the team as well. So I can definitely uh, relate and agree with you on that. You mentioned that you are investing northern of uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and central. Yes. That's where your They're offices completely are. Completely different markets. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> do you mind just breaking down, you know, why? And uh, if you don't mind just shouting out like the area um, where you're in. Sure, sure. So I have a, an office in Beverly, Mass, where I live, which is... I don't know, let's call it half an hour north of Boston. Okay. Um, but we're investing anywhere from, um, so Medford, um, which is right above uh, Boston. Um, so let's say 
Uh, if you look on, on the map, so the 95 corridor, which is Route 95. So we're investing uh, condo conversion, single family flips. Mm. Uh, these are all um, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I'd say the average condo conversion we do is going to be somewhere between 300000 for a 3-2 in Beverly, in Salem, to 600000 plus in Medford, let's say. Okay. Um, and we're taking on some new areas as well. But so we've done a wide spectrum. We've done a single family flip that 3,000 square foot home with a pool and more of a luxury. So we've actually tested a lot within the, the rehabbing space as well. So we don't stick to just one product. We test different products. But what we found was condo conversions is the most profitable for us. So really? taking three family home, two family, four family and converting them into actually the, the, the best use is um, taking over a basement or unused attic space and creating townhomes. Uh, that's the highest and best use that we have found. Okay. So, that's awesome. uh, just to kind of run through the numbers of one deal. So we did a, uh, speaking of the Medford market, yeah. uh, we acquired a, uh, a three family for roughly about 515,000 roughly. Uh, we put in 650,000 in construction, uh, but we ended up with a one nine five sellout. So it was now, some did, big, did you big numbers. A three family, like a triplex or a three bedroom. No, no, a three a triplex. So we okay. call it a three family, but okay. uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's basically a box with like a bump out. So we we took over some basement space. We dug out. Uh, we put in window wells, so you have the the proper egress to get out. Yeah. Uh, and we so we took what was a a one level apartment into a townhome. Uh, one of them ended up being three levels as well. So we were able to sell those out at over 600,000 a piece. You bought it for 500,000? Five, as well, 515, I think, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere and then in that how range. much did you put into each one? Or into uh, no, so the total construction budget was about 650,000. 650,000, you purchased it for five, 515? Yeah, somewhere in that range, yep. And then you made 1.9 off it? 1.95 was a sellout. Sellout, yeah. Yep. I love so it. Yeah, it's similar. To, we've done a few projects like that, but that's just just to give you an example of why we we choose that market to to do condo yeah. conversion. Yeah, Whereas hell a yeah. Family maybe tens of thousands on the profit side. This is in the hundreds of thousands. If we try to go for at least a hundred thousand profit on those. Yeah, I think you did pretty well on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them you learn lessons along the way. So some of them were hard money, some were conventional. We okay. try to always go conventional, but there's always a max of. Again, we can get into the financing conversation another time, but yeah. there's always a there's always a limit to the risk the banks willing to take. So as you know, hard money is a different cost. So that one ended up being some hard money on there. So, but we yeah. still did well. But it just it changed the numbers. It's not like you see on television where. Yeah. You uh, you have no costs outside of rehab. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, it definitely makes sense. Uh, hard money can really beat the hell out of you sometimes. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, any any percentage of the deal, 50% or 20, yeah. 80% of the deal is way better than none. So that's awesome. Agreed. So yeah, we developed along the way too. So we built systems with the construction. We've We've shortened the window. We've taken a one-year renovation down to – uh, six months. So we've, we've cut the, the timeline in half on a lot of these rentals as well. Okay. I love it. Now, why, why this area? I mean, I know it's your backyard, but is there any reason in particular for this area or just because it's so close, it's right there, what you know and breathe every day? No, I would say it's, it's more, um, we would go somewhere else if the numbers, like for example, if central Massachusetts was these high priced, uh, 
uh, rehabs, we would just build systems out there. It just it happens to be uh, where it appreciate, appreciates the fastest. So we're in a market where we're benefiting from the growth in Boston. So it just it's really numbers at the end of the day. So if if it was another part of Massachusetts that was a high price point, we'll we'll go figure out a way to to flip that deal. And we are looking at other parts as well that have. Uh, like south of Boston and west of Boston that have some high margins. We'll just, and again, relationships. I, I have other contracting companies that I could partner with and, and take down those deals. Okay, nice. Yeah. Now, I know you already mentioned, you know, you've done about 30 deals per year with your agent side as far as you and the other individual on your team. And you're looking to grow that as well along with other businesses. What are you guys doing for some of the other businesses as far as your contracting goes or, you know, the property management, HVAC, stuff like that? Sure. So I, I will say the construction company, we have never done a retail job. So we're oh, really? only doing rehabs. So okay. the construction company only does our own projects. Yeah. So we don't even work with homeowners on that end. So it's, so it's strictly investing side. You guys really strictly. focus on the investing side. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And it's only on deals that we're partaking on the back end. Um, wow. So we're actually in the process of merging with another construction company as well to take on more rehabs at a time. Okay. So, but yeah, strictly just our own projects. Okay. Um, now property management, we it used to be only for my clients and for my own properties, but as we've broken the hundred unit count, we've, we opened it up to other investors as well. So we're over a hundred units under management now with that are not my clients or just maybe they are agents or they were referred by other agents in the area. Yeah. So we've built the reputation now on the management side. So that's just strictly, I, I look at it as from my networking perspective, can I grow um, more agents. So for example, as I scale my agent team in Central Mass, um, which I have some people about to get licensed, I'm going to teach them how to go out and meet other landlords in the area or markets of these landlords. Uh, the only people that I've acquired are from just in-person meetups or referrals. So we mm -hmm. haven't really done any marketing yet. So kind of what I'm telling you now is without, was with a zero marketing budget, which we're going to put some, some effort into this year. Uh, so what I thought was I wanted to build up my systems before I brought on new investors. So I didn't feel right about bringing someone in if I didn't have my, my stuff together. Yeah. For lack of, so we don't have to use any profanities on the show. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, I love that. So as far as, you know, taking, do you have any rentals yourself that you hang on to or are yes. most of your deals all just, you know, you flip at the end of the day? No. So if you look at it as two separate, I guess we'll call it divisions for lack of a better term. Yeah. So in central Massachusetts, I own buy and holds where we manage. Gotcha. So my own management company manages my rentals. Uh, where we flip, I only own one three family uh, building, but it's with the intent of, of reselling in a short period of time. So even though we're, both of those markets are completely different, you know, like central okay Correct. for for, uh, you know, buying holds and keeping them, the numbers make sense. And then yeah. North, North uh, Boston is just, it's a little outrageous. Only good yeah, and I'll give you an example. So my largest holding is a 12 unit building okay. in central Massachusetts that we bought for 640,000. Yeah. Uh, and you get one. That, that's, you get yeah. one for the other. <laughs> yeah, so that 12 unit in my market would be somewhere around, I'm sorry, North of Boston would be somewhere around, I don't know, five, four to 5 million. 
Yeah. Probably somewhere in that range, depending on obviously condition and age. And, and there are a lot of factors, but it'll be easily three to four times the, the, the cost. Yeah. So that's, that's why we buy there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to give you an example, so uh, the rents on that 12 unit, we, when we acquired it, it's uh, 10 two bedroom units and two one bedroom units. And we were able to get the two bedroom units from between seven and 800. to now we're, we're just in the process of, um, leasing one of the units for over 1300 so and that's within two years wow so what is yep. the what is the cash flow in that damn sucker you don't need uh, to dive into that but that's awesome no, it's great. That. yeah so yeah. but we're, we're testing it so that's another example of we, we're taking units that have turnover and we're doing full renovations yeah so that is willing to pay yep a higher cost for a renovated unit uh our, our demand i mean we we probably can rent a unit in less in less than a month, but generally in about two to three weeks, we can, we can turn over a unit. Love that. Uh, sometimes less because we have a waiting list as well. There you go. See, I love that. That's great. Now, yeah. are, are you refinancing at then? Like, are you doing the birth strategy with some of these? Some of these, yes. Yeah. So we have multiple. So uh, we bought a three-family property in Central Mass where we, the acquisition was $110,000 uh, with about 120000 rehab. Okay. And it appraised out at about three fourteen, um, so we're able to pull our cash back out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's. The, but then there is a, there's another five unit we purchased in that market for two. I think it was two sixty, two sixty five, and um, it, we didn't do anything to it. We just it was fully tenanted with long term tenants. So we just uh, work on the cash flow until there's an opportunity to value add in that building. Okay. Gotcha. So there, there is no value add that need is needed at the moment. Not at this time. Yeah, just we're gonna have a um, lost rents if we move someone, or there's yeah. just no value in going in and trying to rehab it while they're in there. That makes sense. Okay, cool. I love that. So now with the property management side, you know, how is it that hot of a market that you have a waiting list and you have people that are like just dying to to rent from you guys, or is there certain you know, something that makes you guys unique when it comes down to your promoting or just attracts people that want to stay with you? Uh, again, it goes back to word of mouth. So a lot of these people that are coming to us are their family members rent from us or yeah. uh, they're just asking us, they're saying, hey, do you have anything coming up? Uh, I, I mean, I know the market is, is hot for rentals. I, I don't know that everyone has that, has a waiting list, but I just like to think that we, we do a good job of uh, maintaining the properties and they're seeing their family and friends in these units and they like the units and they just figured, Hey, if something else comes up, let me know. But it's, it's part of reputation as well. So we're, it's, we're going over three years on the management side out there. So uh, it wasn't always like this, but I, I think over the years we just built the reputation and it, it's, it's tricky as well because most of our landlords have um, like more rehab properties, but some of the older stock, it's, it's a little trickier to rent out. So we're always trying to work with landlords to uh, maximize their rents with minimizing their, their cost of turnover. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So you don't do any like referrals or anything. Cause I mean, I, I offer all my tenants referrals, like a $200 referral. If there's somebody, you know, that they send, that's good. Yeah, I'm trying to build up my waiting list like yours. That's yeah. what it is. And it's just, yeah. it's not at that point yet. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to that, it's just, like I said, we, we've never really done any marketing and that's, it's embarrassing to say because I have a degree in marketing. So it's, hey, uh, <laughs> hey, whatever you're doing is, is working out. So just keep doing it. All right. Yeah. But I, but I always think of the school side. 
Yeah, I always wonder, well, what if I did do that? Would it be, what would the results be? So again, it goes back to testing. So we are going to test more this year with other opportunities. Okay, cool. I love it. So let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about networking because, you know, I I know you've talked about it several times as well as I have. When it comes down to to networking, you you don't get to where you're at today without networking, bottom line. You know, the famous thing. I have nothing today without networking. 100%. Yeah, to give you kind of a a backstory to where it all started. So the way that I got into real estate and learned the investing side was just someone that I knew, again, talking about real estate said, hey, why don't you go meet this gentleman who is a developer and a broker and you can learn under him. And that's how I got started where I knew I wanted to be in real estate, but I didn't know where I was going to go. Yeah. And just networking put me in that position. So to this day, and I apologize to everyone that comes in contact, all I talk about is real estate, but it just, I found that talking about it, you just, it connects you to the right people. And the people that aren't interested, they just, they won't continue the conversation or it's, it's not a fit. Yeah, of course. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're very passionate about it, correct? I am. Yes. Yeah. Like you, you enjoy real estate just like I do. I, I do. So. I, I actually have to force myself to leave the office at night, but yeah. that's how much I love it. So yeah. not a lot of people can say that about their jobs. 100%, you know, like a lot of people are working for somebody else and it's driving them crazy. Even if, even if you're in the real estate industry and, you know, you're working for yourself or working for somebody else, you know, it might not be your passion. It might drive you crazy and, and you really have a bigger why behind it. That's why you're doing all the chaos. But I think you and I are very blessed to have found like our passion, what we get really excited for in the morning to be able to constantly do real estate and be able to crush that. So what a blessing it is that you were able to network with that guy to be yep. able to introduce you to your passion. To the right person. Yep. Yeah. No, it was great. But again, that wouldn't have come about if I wasn't telling him what I was interested in and what I wanted to learn about. 100 So that's, yeah. So I'm very open and sometimes maybe too open with people, but I just find that that's who I am. And if, if it's, again, going back to, if it's yeah. the right fit, then we'll hit it off. If not, then we just move on. 100%. Yeah. I love that. Okay. <laughs> and you and I were networking together. I mean, we we're, we met at the syndication workshop in Phoenix and, yep. uh, with Ben and Sam, their event. Um, so that was awesome. That was a great you event. Know, when you network, is there anything in particular that you feel like you might do a little bit differently than others out there that, you know, because I'm sure you've been to networking events that you know, they'll, somebody just comes up to you, throws a card in your face and it keeps it moving, you know, like <laughs> yeah. how attractive is that? Am I right? <laughs> well, so the way I look at it is I don't even know what the conversation would be if I called them because we never connected on what it is that they do or how they could help. So again, when you speak about networking, so I don't put too much thought into it. Yeah. It's more about, so if I'm meeting with you, I'm asking you, well, what is your business? What are you doing? And as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking to myself, well, is there a way that I could add value or maybe I, maybe I can learn something from you? Yeah. And I just though I'll just wait and see where the conversation goes. And I'm not thinking of making a sale. It's just learning about what you do and then seeing if there is a value add that I can add to what you do. And if I can add value, then, then we'll, we may end up with some sort of a, a monetary gain, but maybe we won't. Maybe we're just friends and we'll see each other at the next event. So yeah. uh, either one works for me because I enjoy, I enjoy the networking and hanging out. And, and uh, so that's either one works for me. I, yeah. I like the social aspect of it. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I wouldn't put it any, any other way. I think, I think that was said perfectly. Uh, also, something that you know I've been taught in the past by uh, a mentor of mine was you know when I am networking to 
play like a little game with myself and try to make the other person talk more. So always ask, you know, like thought provoking questions, yes. really dive deep into yes. the other person because there's something, you know, just natural about the, the human being that, you know, we want to be heard, understood and accepted. So when you can get the other person just opening up about themselves and really, you know, generally be interested in them, then even if you didn't say one word the whole damn time, <laughs> and they speak for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, what, what have you, then they're going to walk away and be like, you know what? I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. <laughs> and it's just because you made them feel, you know, accepted and heard, yep. which is awesome. So it's kind of funny. I would agree. <laughs> I see you're playing the game with me right now. I don't like it, but <laughs> just kidding. Okay, cool. Well, uh, cool. Is there anything that the listeners can do to give back to you? Um, no, I mean, I just like connecting so you can find me on bigger pockets on Facebook, um, reach out. Uh, yes. I mean, any, I don't know if you want to add something to the show notes with, with contact information, yeah. but so yeah, they can, they can find me, reach out. It, I, I actually enjoy just kind of hearing about what other people are doing around the country and, and what types of projects, if they have an interest in, in learning about what I do here, I'm happy to share kind of why I do what I do what markets I invest in. And uh, even if they find something uh, that they want to do in this market, I'm happy to add value. And, and same if I, if they have something somewhere else in the country, I'm, I'm open to hearing about other opportunities as well. I love it. Are you investing in any other markets? I, I haven't yet. Yeah. So okay. we, we've, I'm considering going the uh, syndication route and maybe investing in some people that we know and, and their deals, but Okay. I haven't done that yet, but that's probably the way that I'll, I'll start going out of market is in these larger multifamily deals. Yeah. I say we scrap that and you and I just start looking for multifamily. That's I'm what ready. I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you so much. Is there anything, you know, that you want to leave with the listeners as we wrap this up? Any uh, final thoughts? If I could caution anyone is um, not going to networking events is, is slowing down your progress. So it's easy to say, well, I have this to do tonight or I have that to do, but you have to make sacrifices. And we talked about this earlier with a family. It's not easy to say, hey, I'm going to be gone for four nights this week, but it's the end goal in mind. It's what are you doing for your family? That's what, that's your why. Yeah. So um, when there's an excuse, you just have to make, you have to make a decision. Are you going to go do it or are you going to sit home? and and not make any money and it's actually hurting your family more than it's helping yeah so uh, i look at it as i i want to just income producing activities every day that's right so networking to me is an income producing activity ipas baby ipas <laughs> so how many uh how many days a week did you say you go out and network again sometimes up to four yeah um, and not wow. necessarily it's it's not a, and again networking is not just a, a meet up or something that it could just be hey we we have a mutual opportunity to learn from each other let's go grab a beer somewhere or of course it, yeah uh, maybe it's one meetup a week and three yeah. just new people that uh actually just following up from maybe one of the other meetups now you you want to go on a one-on-one -on -one and and really learn about what they need and what they're doing yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day excuses are useless i always say <laughs> that over and over and there really just aren't any excuses like you're either going to do it or you're not yeah and just like you said, I mean, if you're not networking, you're truly holding yourself back. Myself, personally, I am naturally like, I don't know if it's the lazy side in me or just more introvert or what, but I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of going out. But then afterwards, it's always a blessing to, you know, to really deeply connect with somebody just like yourself. 
like today I went out and I met three different people. You know, I had planned to, to network and, and meet these individuals. So, so you never know where that business can take in the future, how much value you can add to the other person or vice versa. So, you know, that, that famous saying out there, your network is your net worth. It's so true. It truly is. And I really, I never appreciated that or noticed it. I always thought like I, I was that, that one man band type of thing, yeah. you know, in the very beginning. And it's, it's just not accurate. If you think to yourself, you know, if you knew everybody in the world or, or damn near close to it, how powerful that would be, you know, it's, it's really yeah. great. you know, the whole sky's the limit. Everything would be on the house. It's like your best friend would always be hooking you up type of thing. Yeah, I would agree. So again, the more investors you meet, whether or not you, so if you go for a sale, so I'll give you an example. So if you're going to network with the intent of, I need to leave here with something, I need to raise money or get a deal. Well, maybe you're going to miss the opportunity to speak with someone who could become a mentor and teach you something new in the business because you're not focused on just meeting everyone. You're focused, you're, you're narrowly focused on meeting a specific person. Yeah. So that's why I'm very open to meeting anyone because you just don't know what, what's going to come of that meeting. So that's, that's my advice is just be very open and speak to everyone, at least something, an initial conversation just to kind of feel out and see where, if there's a fit between both parties. Yeah. I think, I think that's huge. You know, instead of being like selfish and thinking only for yourself, yeah. like, you know, I need the sale. I need, I, I see a lot of people in like insurance or some kind of you know, sales yeah. aspect. You know, they, they just run in, they pass out a bunch of cards to you and that's it, you know, just spamming. How um, many have you bought from? Yeah, none. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I will never. And it's, it comes off more disrespectful, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, you're just a transaction, not a person. Exactly. Yeah. And when you yeah. come off from the heart, generally interested in the other person and then see how you can add value to them, people are always shocked. Whenever I ask like, Hey, so what can I do for you? People are always like blown away. They're like, Oh (laughs) yeah. And they're like, wow, I never had anybody ask. I never even thought about that. You know, because I had someone in my office and and I I went through this whole thing about how to like redo their business model and, and some ideas. And at the end they said, well, I need to stop you before we go any further. What are you going to charge me for this? And I said, I'm not going to charge you anything. I'm just helping you out. And they were blown away that I, I wasn't selling some course or trying to do something to, to get them to, to bite. Yeah. So, and it surprised me because I never had any intent of even asking for any money, but yeah, it was just, it was just funny that it, it came about that way. Yeah. When, just getting pitched something. Well, they, they see the value. They're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. This guy's <laughs> going above and beyond to help me out. It's like, what, what does he want from me? How much is yeah. he going to pull from me? And it's yeah. like, Whoa, like I know you'll help me out in the long end in the exactly. back end. Yeah. If I just come off from the heart and help you out, like, I'm doing well over here. Anyway. We, we can, we can win, win off of each other. You know, yeah. I think that's huge. And a little tip and trick that I like to do as well is typically take like a little selfie with the person. It always comes off like very, instead of just spamming them with the card, get a, get a phone number. That's a good and, idea. I haven't done that. Yeah. 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 And then just taking a selfie with her. I think we took a selfie. I'm not sure. We but, did, but I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's funny you say that though. Yeah. Yeah. So I just put two together. Yeah. Yeah. See, I tricked you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, just putting your cell phone in the other person's hand, get them to fill out their info and then take a selfie with them, text them, you know, your contact info and that it was awesome to meet them. You're looking forward to connecting in the future after the networking event yeah. and that they have a picture of you too. 
they're not going to forget. And it always makes somebody feel really good when you take, you know, when you give a shit and you actually want to take a picture. You know? So yeah. great tip. Yeah. Cool. If you don't mind, uh, as we wrap it up, if you're okay with it, I'm going to put your contact info in the show notes, but if you feel like, you know, comfortable with putting that out there, feel free yeah, to I'm, I'm a pretty open book so cool. phone number email is fine it's yeah i'm good with with all of it so we can i'd love to connect with whoever's interested in what we spoke about today and uh again i'm an open book and i'll share what i do and i, l- I look forward to learning from others as well okay uh what are what are some of the social media links or website or email that they could reach you all right so we have my name brian b-r-i-a-n o-r-t-i-n-s at O-R-T-I-N-S group.com. We have uh, cell is 978-979-5007. And then bigger pockets, find me by my name, Brian Ortons, and then Facebook, same as well. And then we have company pages as well, but it's just easier to find me under Brian Ortons. Cool. I love it. Brian, man, you're the man. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And I'm just blown away. I mean, I'm just blown away from just the last few years, like 2013, you got started in all this. And it's definitely been an awesome roller coaster. (laughs) It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing, but you're making a huge impact on so many different people. So kudos to you, brother. I appreciate you you. taking the time out of your day. I know it's it's like nighttime over there, right? That's all right. Yeah. I still have another couple hours in the office, so. (laughs) Ah, I love it, brother. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All all the listeners, I know that you guys found tons of value in this. Make sure you share this content out. And um, if you want to reach out to me, you can always do that at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Same thing with Instagram, brandonelliotinvestments, or facebook.com slash brandonelliotrei. Make sure you jump onto iTunes, hit that subscribe button, or anywhere that you listen to, to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button so you get the newest episode every single Monday and uh, you can get some awesome content like this. If you want a something special, some you know, I'll send you a free gift, either a copy of my book, Action Driven, or Awesome Magazine. There's so many different awesome uh, real estate entrepreneurs in here that are giving tips and tricks away on how they're doing all their real estate deals. I'm talking about credit in this one and how I leverage it with credit cards. Uh, so there's a lot of great stuff in there. So if you're interested in that, all you got to do is hit that subscribe button as well as a five-star review. And uh, yeah, tell me what you think about the podcast. So uh, send a screenshot of that over to me on any social media and I will hook you up. With that being said, Brian, you're the man. I'll talk to you guys all soon. Stay blessed. Thanks. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.